Welcome back to the Change Instruction Podcast, brought to you by Manager, the email management solution developed by Arab to solve your email headaches overnight. It's Joseph from Manager, and for this exciting episode, we'll be chatting with Stefan Prince about the expanding role of an architect. I'll save the instructions over to you, Stefan. Uh, yes, so my name is uh, Stefan Prince. I am an architect and a partner at Powerhouse Company. We are an uh, architecture office based with our headquarters in uh, Rotterdam, the Netherlands. And we have uh, several other offices in uh, Munich and in Oslo and in China. So we are, uh, let's say, an international playing architecture office. And with the office, uh, we are about 100 people. And we work on a wide variety of projects. So uh, inner city, high density, high rise projects, public projects like university buildings, but uh, also uh, private villas for, uh, let's say, high end clients uh, all over the world. So it's a very uh, diverse package of, uh, of projects that we do. Definitely sounds like you're the perfect person for today's topic then with such a diverse background. So I guess that leads us on to our topic. What is the backstory of the expanding role of the architects at Powerhouse Company? Yeah, so, well, at Powerhouse Company, we very much believe it's a a full-service product that we deliver to our clients. So when we uh, started the office about 15 years ago, uh, we, you know, we were with a small group of people and actually everybody in the office also a technical background. So we always believed in, let's say, designing, but also then, let's say, engineer the designs that we make. And kind of from that starting point, we, we started to grow and we started to get more expertises. And we also started to notice that Let's say in this kind of whole, you know, responsibilities that you have as an architect, especially in the Netherlands, it's quite specific in the Netherlands, and the role became smaller and smaller. We actually have the feeling that we want to create a larger role for ourselves. Uh, One, because we enjoy it. And two, because we believe that, say, the quality of the work that we will get better uh, because of it, which is, of course, good for our clients and for the people who use our buildings. So, you know, in that growth, we kind of started to take more control in, for instance, also uh, the realization process of uh, projects. So we started helping contractors with uh, difficult uh, design issues, let's say, where three-dimensional complex shapes uh, were involved. So we started to use uh, parametric design uh, tools to to create complex shapes and easy elements uh, for a contractor. And in that way, we kind of started to to kind of touch more and more on, on, on let's say, more and more of the whole process of uh, building buildings. And in that whole kind of expansion of the architecture office, we about five, six years ago, we started also a, a development company based on the idea that, you know, they always say that the best architecture uh, is created because of the good client. And especially for private villas, that's definitely true. So we said, like, can we not be our own client on projects? And can we not do that on large scale, uh, really on on large scale uh, project developments? And so we started that uh, six years ago. So so we now have a project that we not only designed and engineered, and where we kind of helped contractors do kind of parametric uh, design solutions for complex shapes. But we also were, in a way, the client of these projects. And I think the big kind of change in in that kind of whole process is that I always say that we design and calculate at the same table. So let's say the project developer is in the same office as we are. So like they're really like, I don't know, five meters away away from me. So we we can really, uh, uh, let's say, design and calculate the business case at the same time. And the interesting thing is that, you know, a lot of the times... When a business case is difficult, you try to kind of make the building a little bit cheaper or like say, let's not do this or let's not do that. But the funny thing is, if you have this kind of calculation and sketch next to each other, you can actually say, what if we add this and what if we add that? 
How can we create more value with it? And that's a really interesting process that we are really taking control over uh, where we are now in, in time. Yeah, I think that's a great way of summarizing it as well. So I guess moving on. So why is it important for firms to move away from providing niche services and to provide a full product service? I know you mentioned it briefly about adding more value. Do you dive a little bit deeper into that? Yeah. So what we believe is when, and as I said, that's especially true in the Netherlands, like from the 90s, the role of the architect really changed a lot because we kind of got a smaller and smaller, let's say, piece of the cake. Talking about the niche like from the 90s in the Netherlands, the role of the architect became smaller and smaller. We kind of uh, moved towards merely being designers. So, uh, you know, the preliminary design, final design uh, sometimes, and then it was handed over to a contractor. That is something that uh, happens a lot. And we believe that in a way for us personally takes out the fun of the whole process. We also believe that it kind of kills the real kind of innovation and kind of say, making real architecture from the whole design process. And uh, because it's hard, of course, if, you, if you're not the one engineering and somebody else is doing it, yeah, you know, you give your, let's say, your control and your ideas and your vision, you kind of give it a little bit away to somebody else, you know. And I think also what's interesting from a business point of view is that, let's say, the hardest phase is usually the design phase. So preliminary design, uh, sketch design, preliminary design, and final design. And then usually when you start doing the engineering, there is, of course, a new complexity, but it's, it's a complexity that is way more clear. Planning becomes more clear. The thing you have to engineer becomes more clear. Uh, the design phases are very hard to kind of uh, also have, a, let's say, a healthy business in. Also, as a, from a business point of view, you really want to have, let's say, the complete assignment, you know, because that's how you can kind of create also a healthy business uh, for yourself. So imagine as well, you're not set to the limitations of like another engineering firm. So if you had the design process in mind, you can also execute it to the way you want as well? Yes, exactly. I mean, what you can do is when you design something that has something innovative, something that hasn't been done before, like some kind of bespoke solution for uh, a three-dimensional ceiling. If you only make, uh, let's say, your, uh, your preliminary design and your final design, usually it's not completely solved yet, you know, because it's like a moment in the process where actually you need the suppliers and you need to kind of detail it even further. Uh, that's something you do in your tender phase and in your kind of, uh, you know, uh, let's say the kind of the, the execution drawings. So you have to keep on engineering on those uh, things to make it really happen. And if you kind of give it away, you can also not really balance your energy in those processes, right? Because you can, of course, say like if there are complex, innovative say design solutions, you also want to give them the proper attention to really make it good. And there is a lot to say on really getting like the whole assignment, you know, to kind of work from it from sketch to realization. Yeah. So imagine like, as you mentioned, having that extra level of control and more time to attend to the details. Definitely. Would you see there's any other associated benefit to that process? Well, I think I would say a benefit is also that from an office perspective, let's say my colleagues learn more, you yeah. know, because uh, you you don't stop at kind of an abstract level, but you really dive into how do we make things. I mean, I started with it already at the beginning uh, in my introduction that let's say most of the people in our office have a technical background. So they are architects, but they have a technical background. And, and you also want to kind of develop that background. You know, you want to kind of develop that expertise where you can make a sketch, a vision, an idea, and also understand how to realize that idea you know and making like making it real it's like making it physical you know it feels it's almost a metaphor but it's really uh, kind of going from this kind of abstraction to this kind of realization is such an important process to kind of uh, let's say to to experience 
Yeah, I imagine it, it helps with innovation a lot as well because it just doesn't limit them to what they previously imagined, what they're capable yeah. of with the new skill set. It can probably very create a lot of new ideas. Very much, very much, yes. Yeah. Uh, did you find there's any challenges to this approach? Though? Well, I mean, so basically, uh, sometimes you have to fight a bit to get, more, uh, let's say, to get the whole assignment, you know, and not every client is kind of on par uh, with you on doing that because everybody has different, different reasons to kind of work on a project in a certain way. But I think that's a challenge, but also the results we have and let's say the portfolio that we have built in the last, let's say in these past years is already a very good kind of example of showing what are the benefits of, of kind of working on the projects like that. You know, I think, I mean, clients also choose for us, uh, well, one, because we believe in collaboration. So we, let's say, collaborate with everybody from advisors to the client. And, and we truly believe that let's say making a design should be something where everybody feels ownership, you know? Yeah. So uh, that is really for everybody who works on the process. I think that's a very important reason why people are working with us. But I think we also are very, well, I'm trying to stay humble, but we're, I think we're very uh, strategic in, in how we solve, say, design solutions, you know, how we solve a certain project or in a way to kind of you know, let's say if it's a tender, uh, make it a winning proposal, which is then, uh, let's say, good for a client, but also, let's say, good for the city, eh? good for the municipality. So I think that's really where our biggest strength is. And I think we believe that we can do that a lot with, let's say, design and with innovation, and with engineering. So this kind of this whole kind of package of experience is really giving us the, let's say, the, the tools to make winning projects, you know. Yeah, makes sense. So it definitely sounds like the benefits are outweighing any issues at all. Why do you think that we're seeing others lag behind in this approach? What is always interesting for me is how, say, it's about the sum of all constraints. And for the office, it kind of also counts because, you know, building an office with, let's say, having a drive for engineering, you know, like this technical background, combining it with, let's say, also kind of a a never-ending ambition to make really nice things, you know, make nice architecture, good architecture, well-detailed with beautiful materials for everybody and not only for, let's say, a private villa, but also if we uh, design a project for a housing corporation, we also give it the same kind of amount of ambition. But I think, you know, what is quite unique for us is that we try to combine different, let's say, expertises to create new types of architecture. So I think, you know, creating a development company is in a way a strategy to make nicer architecture. Because if you're also in control of, let's say, the client, being the client, you can define the ambition, you know, and you can define what you want to do with the project. There are so many new opportunities arising from that. I think that's quite unique. You know, in the Netherlands, some architecture offices also develop their own projects but it's more on a, kind of on a project base so it's yeah. more based on let's say these offices have a, a certain strategy in building buildings and they want to kind of you know push that certain strategy so it's very much coming forward out of their let's say their design aesthetics we try to approach it the other way around kind of being like just a kind of classic developer you know, let's say developing projects and, and getting everybody together to work on all kinds of projects. As the market continues to develop and get way more competitive, I imagine a lot more firms will have to start um, being as strategic as yourselves in adopting like, this new approach just to stay competitive. Or do you find it kind of works having like the divide at the moment? It's interesting because it also makes it more difficult. Eh? I mean, being your own client, that doesn't mean that it's also an easy client, you know? Because there is, in a way, you could say on a legal level, we are just two entities 
having a contract with each other, working on an architecture project, you know, and they are working on a development project. I mean, that sometimes also makes it, of course, more complex because sometimes the ambition is way more than we think that is actually possible and, and, other way, and, and the other way around. But it's always based on the collaboration, you know, so it's always based on making it better and better and better. So, you know, then it's also fine to have these kind of difficulties in this kind of process because it just makes it better. Because we work, let's say, with our uh, own developer, we also understand other developers better, you know, yeah. uh, because we understand their difficulties. We understand when a business case is not working, you know, what could we do about it? So there is for us as an architect, so a strategic benefit, I would say, also working with other developers. But I mean, I think not every office should move into this direction. You know, it, it also has to fit you as an office. So I think it's not necessarily the case, but I would say we are becoming a, a larger office in the Netherlands. We do quite unique projects. Other developers are also, you know, involved in, in high-rise projects. I think for us, it's just kind of a strategic benefit to kind of get this experience at first hand for these kind of complex projects. Yeah, I imagine being slightly bigger as well. You yeah. do have that capability behind you as well. Yes. And I imagine if you're kind of like responsible for yourself, you kind of set yourself that higher standard than you might do elsewhere. Because I think no one set a higher standard than we do to ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree, you know, so that the high standard is also in a way to challenge our developer and, and us, we challenge each other every time. And it's yeah. just kind of this never ending story of, of challenging each other, you know, so it's, it's of course, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's also, uh, of course, uh, hardworking. And what you said is, is very true. I mean, we're doing now in, in here in Rotu uh, very large scale uh, developments uh, with the developer. So we, with Red Company, that's the name of the, the development company. And we uh, work, for instance, here on the, on the back here okay. in my background is actually, it's called the Coderico site. It's an existing factory in the city center of Rotterdam, actually. It will move away in a few years. And then uh, this site will be a large, uh, uh, let's say, residential area. We made the master plan for it. It's about 190,000 square meter of development. And it has like 1,500 housing units in it. I mean, it's one of the largest developments in the Netherlands, actually, uh, currently. There you really see the benefit of kind of being so close together, you know, making this master plan and working on it with the developer at first hand to, to kind of, um, you know, develop these plans and, and get the municipality uh, with you on the same uh, line, you know, and, and get these plans approved. So, uh, yeah, you know, that, that makes it quite unique, you know, to work on projects like that in, in that sense. I guess that's kind of like um, the beauty of it as well. You can see the tangible things that you're creating. It's not just like an idea, but you actually see the end results. Yeah, very much. And I mean, what's interesting is, I mean, we now talk a lot, of course, about, let's say, the developer and the, and the architect relationship. And that, you know, this kind of uh, being our own client, it was kind of a new urge that we had. But at the moment, we are also, uh, if you think about, let's say, making it uh, physical, we are also starting our own construction company, which actually means that, you know, we not only develop, design our project, but we will also realize them. So we are uh, also, as an architecture office, changing our ways of supplying let's say the designs to suppliers so we're very much collaborate with red company creating let's say a, a new way of tendering so i mean we are already very used to working in bim you know everything we do is already 3d it's already very detailed it has a lot of kind of specification so you can relatively easy take out let's say all the windows or take out uh, all the doors or all the facade elements from our designs and kind of ask every supplier uh, for a price and the strategy is to, to kind of uh, get the whole package of elements that we need for a project, yeah. get them all priced, 
and get them all uh, organized. And then we only need, let's say, a main contractor, which is us uh, then, or well, the construction company to put it together. And actually the office that I'm sitting in now is uh, called the Floating Office Rotterdam. It's a project that we designed and developed and actually put that strategy of constructing in work. And what it means is actually that, let's say this, this building is, is a, like a modular wooden structure on a kind of floating element uh, in the harbor of Rotterdam. It's the largest uh, floating office in the world, actually. We just started to draft every element and started to get all the prices from the company. So at a certain moment, we had, let's say, everything stacked together. Uh, you know, we had our, it's a wooden building, it's, it's cross-laminated tin- timber. So we had, let's say, all our uh, wood was like uh, ready and prefabbed on a pile. And the only thing that needed to be done was uh, kind of bring it to the building site and put it together. You know, it was like a kind of a, like an IKEA. Uh, a flat pack. Exactly. It actually created a building with, a, let's say, an architectural level of detail way higher than uh, than the usual. It was also a nicer process, you know. It was also super interesting to do, you know. Yes, yeah, thank you. So, very unique. Yeah, yeah. This process, we said like, yeah, let, let's do that also on a larger scale. So for instance, at the moment, we are working on the Baan Tower. It's a residential tower of about 150 meter high in the city center of Rotterdam. And we are actually projecting that strategy on that project. So we are uh, designing and engineering all the facade elements. We are designing and engineering all the concrete structure for the tower until the last detail. At the end of the year, we will have our whole package done, including prices, and everybody will be ready to supply their elements, you know. So in a way, we kind of as an architect start to take a piece of the process that usually a, a contractor is doing. Yeah. And I mean, the question is then, of course, like, why do you want that piece? Why do you want to do that piece? And why not uh, the contractor? The reason for it is actually that like if you would ask a main contractor to price your window frames, for instance, uh, what they usually do is they just ask a few suppliers and they say, you know, we have these windows, what will it cost with you and what will it cost with you and what will it cost uh, if I choose you? And they start to kind of do this kind of shopping around. And usually you get then the cheapest price, but you don't exactly get what you actually asked for. And that's really the biggest problem, of course, because, uh, you know, it will just uh, immediately influence the quality of the project or the, I mean, sometimes the aesthetics, but many times it's just the quality of the project of the building that is kind of less than what you actually asked for. You know, we want to kind of be in control. That high level standard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine as well, it must have drastically sped up the life cycle stage of a project execution. Yes. uh, Yeah, very much. I mean, we like to work on, say, a high pace. So we see that also this kind of, you know, collaboration with, let's say, working in a different way creates another kind of pace in the whole process. So let's say the design processes are are always very precise. I mean, sometimes they need quick solutions or let's say quick results, uh, but usually we are very much kind of really diving into it. But as soon as we kind of have this idea and have the design, uh, we uh, usually try to develop uh, the project as quick as possible, you know, to get everybody along get the permits and try to step up the game uh, and, and getting the project engineered as, as well as possible in the sh- shortest amount of time to really um, get ahead of, the, of, of all the parties, you know? Yeah. I think one of the most important things about all these design processes is that you have to try to have the same amount of knowledge, preferably a little bit more, yeah. than the parties that you talk to, you know? And, and you can do that by just engineering on projects and dive into details, you know, understand where the complexities are of building a certain building. And that's really what we love to do. So have you found this approach drastically quicker then compared to like how things were previously done? Yeah, we could say it's still a whole lot of work. 
know? Yeah. Uh, and, I imagine and, there's and, a lot of moving parts still. Exactly. And, and you still have to make the design and you still have to make your permit and you still have to like make insane amount of drawings, of course. But I think what helps is that we can more easily blend faces into each other. So we can easily choose to, uh, let's say, engineer maybe like a special facade uh, in final design. We already engineer it until execution drawing. But then maybe other elements are less detailed because we just know like, okay, this is under control, you know, that will be later. It's easier to move around kind of levels of details in your architectural designs if you know that you already do the whole process. You know, imagine like if you know what you're capable of as well. It makes it a little bit easier with the sense of control. That's also very true, of course. That's also very true. We are now a large office with uh, all kind of different, say, levels of experience, of course. I mean, we have young people, we have very experienced people and, and everything in between. And, you know, everybody's very talented. But let's say if you have never designed kind of aluminum extruded special elements, yeah, it's kind of smart to kind of know uh, where to find the people in the office. So, you know, we try to also very much create teams that have always have the right expertises and the right balance between, let's say, experience and learning new stuff. So, you know, that's kind of how we strategically do it now. Yeah, it seems perfect, especially if you're someone young and entering the market. Yeah. I think it's a great way of learning as much as you can. Yeah, for sure. We spoke beforehand about what digitalization means for the expanding role of an architect. Would you be able to go into that a little bit deeper for our audience? Yeah, so if this kind of digital of our work, um, like I think about maybe a decade ago, a little bit more, BIM really started to take off and everybody was like questioning a little bit like, what is it? And we still make 2D drawings. I always said it was kind of a joke, but you know, this kind of BIM uh, was kind of a, the, the, let's say the death of the elevation, you know, oh, because, yeah. you know, like architects make elevations, right? It's really yeah. nice. I mean, I did it also when I was studying, you make elevations and you add shadow and you make really nice lines, you know, and it's, I mean, that was already from hand sketches going to AutoCAD, right? And then we make really nice elevations in AutoCAD. And, and it was always like a facade was always like a piece of art, you know? So like kind and, of moved away by the beauty of the art. Yes, because because let's say if you do it in BIM, you know, the facade is just generated, you know? You do make a 3D model and you say, please make an elevation of this uh, facade. And it just generates something, usually a little bit ugly, you know? So it doesn't go automatically, but... But the funny thing was that, you know, when you start designing in BIM, you you start to think about buildings in a different way. You know, you you make a prototype, actually, of your building. I mean, nowadays they call it a digital twin, you know, making, uh, let's say, first build your project virtual space. And then in the end, you build exactly the same, but then in reality. But I think we were already, uh, let's say, a decade ago, we really pushed to get to the forefront of, of let's say, this whole BIM uh, discussion. So we... We were already quite far and, and, and working on a quite high detail in this, uh, let's say, these types of software. And that helped us also to, you know, prove our experience in kind of a kind of a technical, as being like a, a technical architect, you know, like an engineer. But that type of digitization helped us for uh, like a certain part of the process. Uh, you could find, let's say, uh, I would say, uh, clashes in your project easier than when you would do it in AutoCAD, right? Because you really had to think about what happens. And it's always uh, sometimes you find the corners where you uh, never thought of. So it helps to visualize it more functionally. That's exactly. Right. And yeah. and of course, like if an advisor, like a structural engineer brings in a model, of course, also can, you know, put it in and look at it and see what happens, you know, and, and really start to understand building even, even better. But in the digitization process, uh, in the beginning, I, I kind of mentioned it also, we, we also started to look into... Um, making those design processes where possible or where needed uh, more efficient. So we, we started to use also parametric design solutions. 
I mean, not as a kind of aesthetical tool. You know, there are offices that, you know, they, they kind of go crazy with parametric designs. Yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, Zaha Hadid or uh, UN Studio. I mean, really amazing architecture, but they use it very much also kind of in the aesthetics. And I mean, I don't give them enough credit now, but, uh, you know, their aesthetics is kind of very much related to these tools. And we try to use it to create uh, more efficiency in a way. So when we design uh, complex shapes uh, in our design, it's easy to uh, use parametric tools if you want to change them. But it's also very easy when you have these complex shapes and you want to let the supplier build certain elements. So let's say we have a project in Groningen. It's in the north of the Netherlands called the Merkt. It has a three-dimensionally curved arches that are kind of impossible to make a 2D drawing of. So we started making, uh, you know, parametrically designed elements that we first uh, tested in 3D prints. And when they were working well, we uh, submitted these files to the supplier of these concrete elements, and they could use them to make the mold for uh, pouring the concrete, you know? So let's say kind of a very much uh, a direct relation between, let's say, the design and the manufacturing. And I think that's a really big change also in the, I would say, the past five years that influenced a lot of the designs that we were making. So I guess uh, that's the importance to know that if the design does actually fundamentally work. So I guess you could be left with like this design that looks very aesthetic, but if it's not functional, it's kind of useless at the end of the day. Well, it's more uh, that, let's say, if you have, say, complex uh, shapes, that like these arches for this project in Groningen, yeah. I mean, they look very elegant, but everybody on the table was like, how are we going to make these arches, you know? Yeah. Look beautiful, but, you know, what to do? That's exactly the moment where you can kind of step in and kind of, you know, get your expertise into the project and kind of uh, help a supplier. And, and, and I think that we do that for uh, many projects, but it's a really nice example of, of really getting to, uh, you know, um, let's say the design and the connection with the manufacturing, with the suppliers and really kind of really making architecture, you know, really making buildings and, and really making things. I mean, in the end, that's what we love to do, you know. Making a nice image is really cool, but we, in the end, just want to have the building built, you know? I imagine it must be great to see the, the end result of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what do you imagine the industry to start to evolve into? I think kind of all development and digitization will really, really influence our work as an architect. For me, what's like really fascinating is, I mean, maybe like a hundred years ago, you had an architecture office, which was like a, like a big hall, you know, like a really big space. You had like all these tables with like the drafting tables. And there were like, I don't know, like 100 people working on a single project. And they were actually even working in teams, uh, like you had the, the shifts, you know, you yeah. had like the, the, like the night shift and the day shift, making details and making drawings like, and, and making the elevation, right? Making this kind of shift then. work, work of arts, you know? And if you now look at, at what we do, we uh, kind of work on, let's say we work with the same 100 people, but we work also on 100 projects at the same time, you know? And it's like, it's truly amazing what, let's say, this computer and digitization was doing for us already. If you project that to the future, you know, you can only imagine that, you know, in the coming decade or maybe in the coming 20, 30 years, you will need less and less people to do more of the work, you know? I mean, I always say, can you imagine that the software you use will already help you to calculate maybe like a curtain wall, you know, yeah. like if you make a large glass facade and you catch it now, you design it now, you need a structural advisor, you need a building physics advisor, you know, you need like an acoustic advisor, like everybody needs to be there to kind of make it happen. What if this software just helps you to say, you know, well, if you do this, uh, make sure that your uh, steel structure has uh, this and this amount of steel, you know, and, and the acoustic should be this and that because... 
Imagine it's already been a big jump from like even just 10 years ago to what we've got today. Totally, totally. I mean, that's totally true. Yeah, that's totally true. So, I mean, I'm fascinated by that development in the scene, you know, kind of how technology helps us design. And I think even things like artificial intelligence will really be a big part of, of it in, let's say, the coming decades. I mean, it's being used already a little bit, you know, kind of making design options. You can use it on kind of urban experiments, let's say, you know, on how uh, how sun affects uh, urban development, how it kind of then, you know, creates qualities. And so it's already helping you as a kind of in an assistive way on making designs. So I imagine it'll be a bit more shifting to more of the norm rather than like more assistance, more of like a normality of like using it with that for other projects. How do you mean that? Um, so kind of like rather than just using it as a tool for assistance, it'll be kind of like the main usage. Yes, uh, exactly. Like, I imagine in the future that it will not only be assistive, but it will just really kind of be part of your project and it will act as one of the advisors that yeah. you have now, you know? So let's say an architect can uh, design a, a high-rise tower on its own because the computer helps you kind of solve everything, you know? It will say like, hey, um, you designed the tower like this. I already did a wind calculation for you. And uh, it's better to maybe make the balconies a little bit smaller. Do you um, think it will always require that like human oversight to just make sure that the calculations are correct, for example? Well, I would say in the beginning. I mean, if yeah. you look at uh, autonomous driving, some cars are really far in autonomous driving, but they still need the supervision, right? So, you know, they can drive for an hour making no mistakes, but then, you know, after an hour, you still have to kind of intervene, you know, because, well, yeah. Yeah. Or it could possibly make a small mistake. I imagine yeah. it's a bit like autopilot as well on a plane. You're going to need a person to take it off and land it, but you could have the autopilot for in between. Yeah, very much. I mean, autopilot in a plane is actually uh, also able to land the plane. You know, oh, uh, I don't know. pilot is actually uh, is there for supervision, so which is, of course, super interesting. I mean, who would step in a plane with no pilot? Yeah, I guess it's just kind of like a sense of that mental awareness of just knowing someone's there. Yes. Yes, that definitely exactly. helps. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So just to finish off the episode with, do you have any top tips or advice you could give our audience? Yeah. So, well, maybe then a question in between, like the audience are architects, I guess, right? And maybe yeah. young architects also. Yeah. Primarily people within the AC. Well, I would say, you know, when I started about 12 years ago at the Powerhouse Company, you know, it, uh, let's say BIM was the next big thing. If you yeah. if you think about kind of, you know, what technology changes, uh, let's say the architecture industry. And, and you just see that the digital tools are becoming more and more and more relevant. And also if we look at, let's say, you know, the people we hire also very much looking into kind of what are their digital skills, you know? I mean, mainly we actually hire on character. We just really want really nice persons in our office to work here and to kind of have fun with. But of course, talent is also an important part. And skills are in that sense, uh, you know, really a part of that whole kind of uh, let's say selection process, but so, you know, really kind of understanding what the thinking about the skill set of the coming decade, what is that? And, and I very much believe, I mean, if I look at our office, it's very much a combination of kind of understanding how to use these digital tools in creating buildings, you know, in very much understanding this kind of connection between a design you make, you know, which is kind of, of course, like virtual, it's like a, I don't know, yeah. a drawing or like a 3D model and kind of realizing it. And that kind of connection in between, uh, I think there are so many digital tools that can help you with it if you use them in the right way. So like to summarize, would you summarize it as making sure you're passionate about what you're doing and understanding how the technology is being used in the future? Yeah, for sure. I mean, being passionate about the things you do uh, like 40 hours or more every week, 
I think it's uh, very relevant, you know, I mean, uh, I very much enjoy what I do. And I think that's also the only way to kind of really continue in this, you know, and really go for it. And that's, that's like super essential. But yeah, you know, uh, I would say uh, looking at this kind of technology developments, technological developments are a very important part of architects of the future. Thank you for your time, Stefan. Uh, you provide some great yeah. insights today. And it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you on the podcast. Thank okay, you very much. Yeah. You're very welcome. Thank you.